I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. Hi, dear listener. I'm sitting in the evening in my home in the outskirts of Sydney, Australia, just a short distance from the ocean, from the ocean's edge. And it's a quiet night. sitting at the piano, as you can hear. And I think I want to just begin by thanking you for being there, for listening to this podcast and any of the others that I've done over the last year and a half or so. It's been a kind of odyssey, really, through these episodes, past and present. Recalling things that happened, sharing things I've observed around me in my life. And I'm thankful, really, for your being there. I'm thankful for the technology that's allowing me to share this music, to share these thoughts, these memories, these anecdotes, these 
observations and delights, these little moments with you. And you may hear that if you've listened, that is, to these to these podcasts before, you'll hear that the quality of the sound is different. And what's beautiful, you know, is the result of human beings' ingenuity. I can record my voice like this at the same time that I can record the piano music. And I can float these things out, not just into the ether, into the atmosphere, into the air that surrounds me here in my little apartment near the ocean. But now I can send these vibrations out across the earth, the world, So this podcast, dear listener, is perhaps really inspired by the phenomenon of sound. Sound vibration, sound in all the ways that it shapes and expresses and influences and... inspires us. Is a part of our lives. We don't really think about it, do we, much, you know? How much sound is really a part of our life. I was walking to dinner this evening, my favorite Thai Asian fusion restaurant and I passed as I do familiar big fig trees they're here in this area with their big expansive canopies of leaves and in the evening the early evening Those trees fill with the sound of parakeets, lorikeets specifically, rainbow-colored birds here in Australia. And they gather en masse in these trees. And the sound is something, dear listener, that I can hardly describe to you. It is cacophonous to such an extent that you can hardly hear yourself think and 
the thousands of birds just enjoying the late afternoon and the early evening and coming together as they do in those fig trees is quite a marvel. The sound is literally deafening. So I think that probably my first most meaningful experience of sound occurred before I was born. Because my mom, you see, was a pianist. And there, in our living room, in a place called Dobbs Ferry, New York, overlooking the vast Hudson River. Water has been a part of my life from the beginning, really. She would play the piano while I was busily gestating inside her belly. And you can imagine that I was very close to the keys of the piano she played. see those sounds came forth from her fingers as she played. Schubert and Brahms and Chopin and Bach. She was a good pianist. She studied with a beautiful teacher back in the day in New York City, you know, when she was growing up. But there, when she was pregnant with me, In the quiet of the night, like I am doing, she would play, and I would hear those sounds while I was growing in her belly. So I heard piano music from the time when I was just a tiny wee little one, not yet having been given birth to. Now they talk about how sound, lovely music is good, you see, for women who are pregnant to listen to for the sake of their gestating babies, that they will hear that music. And I remember a woman that I knew, a young woman, here, years later. She was pregnant. And around her neck, she wore this little rope, this cord. And at the end of the cord was this little bell. And it made the most beautiful kinds of twinkling sounds. And I asked her one time, I said, that is a marvelous little thing. Tell me about that. And she said, well, it's a tradition in some Asian country. I can't remember the 
the name of the country that she mentioned, but she said, the women, when they're pregnant, they will wear this little bell around their neck, and it hangs on their tummies. And when the woman moves when she's walking, the little baby inside of her hears those twinkling sounds. It hears those sounds, the sounds of the little bell. You see, and then when it's born, the woman keeps wearing it. And the baby recognizes the sound and it makes it feel comforted, comfortable, easeful, because it hears something that it heard when it was safe. In its mother's belly, it hears the same sounds. And it's like a, a sort of bridge through the sound from those nine months gestating to then entering the world. So sound is an amazing thing, dear listener, you know. Here where I live near the ocean, the hours are measured in the coming and going, the ebb and flow of the water, of the ocean, of the waves, of the tides. And what I've discovered as I walk along the ocean every day at different times of the day or evening, I've discovered that when the water has flowed out, when it's ebbed as far as it will be out, low tide. There's this moment, you see, it's a magical moment. There's the moment when the ocean begins its flow back to land, the tide begins to come back in. And what I've noticed walking along the edge where the rocks are is that moment, that magical moment, that cusp between the ebb and the flow, between the low and the high tide is marked by a sound. And it's the gentlest of sounds it's like almost the rustling of leaves because that water you see it's just beginning to come back and that very slight sound like a rustling of leaves as it laps gently against the rocks is the beginning of the tide moving back in, coming towards the land. It's a very beautiful moment. It's a very beautiful moment. 
So you see, dear listener, that having heard piano music from way before I entered the world, I kind of like to think, you know, that all the stars were lined up for me to be born a pianist. And my experience of playing the piano, which started in earnest when I was six, and even more when I was eight, has been a thread through my life, something that I could hold on to like a buoy in that ocean. I knew, you see, that nothing could really come between me and the sound that came through my fingers, through the piano. And when I was growing up in this beautiful suburb of New York on the Hudson River, Dobbs Ferry, in a beautiful house surrounded by trees, maple and oak, poplars, pine trees, dogwoods. It was like a little mini sort of botanical garden on our little quarter acre of land. And in the quiet of the night, I'd sit at the piano and open the leaded glass windows. And it was a bit like that moment you see, dear listener, where the ebb has gone out and is just, just about to come back. It's that kind of magical moment and I would play in the quiet of the evening and let my fingers move over the keys with great abandon. And even though there was so much going on in my early life, dear listener, that was so difficult, when I sat down at the keyboard, this beautiful Steinway piano, a veil would drop away. revealing a dimension where everything was okay. Everything was okay. And I felt that, I felt that feeling as I played and I was restored. I was comforted. I felt easeful again. Hopeful happy and you know years later that piano was given to me needed quite a bit of work at that point by then Pianos are like that. All those moving parts, 
the good ones, the acoustic ones, like that one. And I thought, well, is it worth really keeping? You know, I wasn't sure. It still needs a lot of work. <laughs> but I talked to a piano tuner about it, and I said, you know, what do you think it's worth? You know, do you think it's worth my keeping? And he said, I have to tell you something. This was a man who'd worked on many hundreds, maybe thousands of pianos, trained by Steinway in New York. He said, I have to tell you something that when I work on a piano, when I tune a piano, when I do little repairs or big repairs, when I work on these pianos, he said, he said, I can feel the experience, the sense of the presence of the person or the people who played it, as if the wood and the sounding board and all those little hammers, those felt hammers, the keys themselves, every part of that piano had literally absorbed the vibrations of the people who played on it. And then at that moment I knew that I couldn't sell it. It carried something that has carried me from my early years, from those years, from those months, those days before I was born, right up to now. And it's in storage in the United States, waiting to come over. This is not something I've ever done in a podcast before, but if anybody is so inclined, to donate the money to help me bring it over, that would be amazing. be like a reunion with that piano. Some things you know they are, like that piano tuner said, they're deeply meaningful, like they're a part of your being. So sound has played a huge role in my life. And it plays a huge role in life in general, right to the very end, dear listener, right to the very, 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 very end. I'll always remember, you know, I have, I had an aunt named Ray. She was born in Russia and her story is so extraordinary that it deserves at least one, if not several, podcasts. She was an extraordinary woman. 
Her survival itself was a miracle. In Russia, during World War II. But she made it over to the United States. My Aunt Ray. My middle name is like hers, Russian. She had this love, this incredible sense of love that she gave to anyone in her midst. She'd become disabled when she was just two years old. And her survival in her story, as I'm saying to you, you know, is so unbelievable that it defied all the odds. Because she was disabled, they wouldn't let her immigrate to the United States before World War II started. So she and my great-grandparents, my great-grandmother and great-grandfather, Jewish, all of them, fled from the onslaught of brutality that was unleashed beginning in the late 1930s. And they headed out on a train across Russia to try and get away. They headed into Eastern Russia, deep into Russia. The three of them, my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather, and Ray, who was disabled She had contracted meningitis when she was two years old, and so she couldn't walk well, she couldn't talk well. And they headed out on a train into eastern Russia to try and flee from the war, what would most certainly be their demise. And the train stopped, so the story goes at a station. My great-grandfather got off the train to try and look for food. There was so little of it, you see. And he left my great-grandmother and Ray on the train. And the train began to leave. And he wasn't there. He hadn't come back. And the train left with my great-grandmother and my dear aunt heading into Russia, deep into the east, eastern Russia. And my great-grandmother was so heartbroken, so distressed, that she passed away not long after that, leaving Ray to fend for herself. By some miracle that somebody I think must have seen her 
at some station there deep in eastern Russia. And she began to work in very simple ways in a hospital. And years later, dear listener, after the war ended, she survived. Because of that, she had been transported by train. My great-grandparents perishing on the way. That my family back in the United States, they had come and emigrated to the United States. They heard about her somehow. They got word of her. And she ended up coming to the United States in the 1950s, before I was born. And when I was born and through my life, she had a kind of singular presence among my family members for me. And a few years ago, when she herself passed away, she was in a nursing home. She lived into her late 80s against all odds, given everything she'd been through. And she was very close passing herself, passing away. And I wasn't able to be there in person. It was in the winter time. I lived perhaps three hours from her. And she was unconscious for a period of time. And the nurse was in touch with me and told me that. The nurse said to me, I feel like she's waiting for something. I feel like she's waiting for something. And so the nurse said, if you call, I'll hold the phone up to Ray's ear. And I called because I knew I had to say something to Ray, even though she wasn't conscious. And there, over the miles, across the miles on that phone, through the receiver, held to Ray's ear as she lay there. I told her how much I absolutely, dearly loved her. I told her, and I could hear, dear listener, I could hear her breath. I could hear her breathing quietly. And I told her how dear she is to me. And the nurse said to me after she said, she took the receiver, she spoke to me and she said, you know, I know she heard you. Hearing, the nurse said to me, is the last sense 
to go. It's the last sense to go. Shortly after I spoke with her, my dear Ray passed. And when the nurse called me to tell me that, perhaps a few hours after I had spoken with her, she said, she was waiting. She was waiting for your voice. She was waiting. She was waiting for that. It's amazing, dear listener, you know. Sound is really it really comes at the beginning and the end. My dear dad, he was a scholar and a philosopher. And he loved reading the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. And he could read Greek, you see, my dad. He was a very brilliant man. And he would always tell me, he would say, you know, if you can read the Bible, even just a few words of it, in ancient Greek, if you can believe this, dear listener, he said, you'll understand something that has been lost in translation. And he would dwell, my dad, you see, on the word, on the word. Because he said, beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Really, it's more than a word. It's more than that can convey. just word. It's like some combination of spirit and breath and sound and meaning all wrapped up into something that is more than the sum of the parts.
the Spirit of God moves across the face of the waters. But it's more than spirit. It's like breath. It's like living breath. Wind, spirit, the very force of creation. So sound, you see. Even in the words we utter is so deeply meaningful. We can create and destroy with our words. we can create such beautiful things. So, dear listener, thank you. Thank you for being there. Whether this is your first podcast or you've heard others of mine before, thank you for being there. You know, there's a a sort of Zen koan, which is a meditative question, and it goes like this. If a tree falls in the woods and no one, not one being, not one creature, great or small, not one bird, not one insect, Not one animal, not one human. If not one sentient being in that forest hears it, does it make a sound? Does it make a sound? And I love that question, you see, because for me, putting this, these podcasts across the airwaves, you're listening completes a kind of circle, you see. Without your being there, this podcast would be incomplete. That circle wouldn't be completed. It wouldn't be fulfilled. So you make this complete, and for that, I'm grateful. Very grateful. So I wish you, dear listener, many beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sounds. I wish that your life, your days are filled with beautiful sounds. And I just thank you for being there. Take good care. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now.